Welcome to Office Hours, a social science podcast produced at the University of Minnesota, featuring conversations with prominent scholars, researchers, and other movers and shakers in the social world. Today we are joined by Mary Joyce. Mary Joyce is both a researcher and consultant in global digital activism. Mary's resume is impressive to say the least. Here are a few quick highlights. In 2007, she co-founded DigiActive, an all-volunteer organization dedicated to helping grassroots activists around the world use digital tools to increase their impact. In 2008, she was chosen to be the new media operations manager for President Obama's election campaign. She then founded the Meta Activism Project in 2010 and co-founded the Digital Activism Research Project in 2012. Mary has also edited and contributed to the book Digital Activism Decoded, The New Mechanics of Change, which you can download for free from her website. Today she is going to talk to us about the idea of global digital activism, which she currently studies as a PhD student in the communication department at the University of Washington. Thank you for joining us on the Office Hours podcast. Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me, Kyle. So to get started, could you explain to our listeners what digital activism is or how we should understand it? Right. So basically, um, it's the use of digital technologies, which are things you can look at it in terms of infrastructure like the Internet or um, hardware like a mobile phone or software like social media um, used by citizens. So civil society organizations, nonprofits um, or individuals Mm -hmm. to achieve social or political change. So it's the technology plus the actor plus the goal. Basically. Okay, so it doesn't specify uh, whether it's necessarily a legal or illegal type action, but it's just someone using these technologies? Yeah, for social or political change. So, so hacking, for example, um, some people use something like a DDoS attack, a denial of service attack, in order to, say, hold a gambling website hostage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not activism because it doesn't have a political or social goal. But if someone were to use the same bots to, say, attack the website of a government page uh, mm-hmm. or a corporate page because of some policy, um, then I would call it activism. So it's, okay. not, it's not only the actor and the tool, but also the purpose. Okay. Um, so could you provide a few more examples uh, of the different types of digital activist groups or projects that uh, people might be familiar with? Yeah. Um, well, if we're thinking about groups, uh, the big ones are, I guess I would say, Avaaz, um, which basically does campaigns mostly based on petition signing and donations internationally or something nationally, I would say, move on, which mm-hmm. got the ball rolling. Um, a lot of digital activism, though, doesn't come from formal organizations. Okay. It comes from groups of individuals. Um, so there was a lot of digital activism in the Arab Spring, both in terms of, co- of uh, mobilizing people, um, sharing uh, alternative perspectives on the legitimacy of then President Mubarak, yeah, and broadcasting information, yeah, and so Occupy, so Twitter was used a lot in that case, right? That was the Twitter was used a lot in that case. Um, also, in Occupy, Twitter was used a lot. And these are the big um, mobilizations that we would think of as social movements, but they're also much smaller ones. I was just looking at one that happened a few years ago in Hong Kong, where people. Uh, bloggers and citizen journalists mobilized in order to stop development uh, in, um, let's see, I guess it was a natural area. They were stopping someone from putting up some kind of luxury compound, and they just got together and created some videos and did some blogging, and the government 
uh, stepped in and the guy decided not to, to do this um, construction. So it can be something okay. really, really big. Yeah. Something really, really small. Okay. And how did you get interested in being involved or researching digital activism? And I, I know you have experience both as a consultant, um, as an activist, and a researcher. So how do you juggle those roles and how did you get interested in it? Well, I'm actually, I'm not an activist anymore. I, okay. I, that. Um, I basically started off, let's see, um, I was involved in campus activism and then um, some digital activism about imprisoned bloggers, basically, is what I started off in. Because okay. a lot of what the early campaigns were. Um, but basically, I became interested in digital activism because I did a Fulbright in Morocco in 2004, 2005. Uh, and I saw how the activists there were really um, very committed and very uh, capable, but that there were certain, but they they lacked um, basically financial resources. And this was a time when blogs were just getting popular yeah. and doing social bookmarking and using wikis. And so I said, hmm, this I bet this technology, which is really cheap and really powerful form of communication, could be useful for activists. And obviously, as I continued to study it, it continued to prove to be very interesting. And also, obviously, adoption just exploded yeah. of uh, digital technology by activists. So It's uh, amazing to think about how quickly the technology spread um, become pervasive in our society, where in 2005, we haven't even heard the term blog. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was, I was looking at something even, I think it was 2000. Eight, I guess, and they were explaining what is Twitter, what is a tweet, you yeah. know. And this is at least among certain groups of people, it's it's a very common means of of uh, sending and receiving information. So, how do you go about researching a topic that includes such a large variety of uh, strategies, technologies, um, can occur in so many different locations? Yeah. So, I mean, my preferred method is international comparative. That's my that's the layer. That's the uh, level that is most interesting to me. Okay. Um, and basically, what I've been trying to do is translate qualitative information about geography or actors or outcomes or tools into comparative um, quantitative measures that can be um, the object of statistical analysis mm-hmm. and other forms of of quantitative analysis. Um, so I've been doing that basically through the digital act, uh, global digital activism data set since 2010. And that's, um, we're going to actually be coming out with version one in the next few months. Uh, and I'll probably actually continue to do that even after that particular project is finished. Um, but yeah, I think th- there's kind of a, a, um, temptation to to look at case studies, mm-hmm. um, and it's certainly, I would say it's it's easier, but it's just the the lack of generalizability is is pr- is a pretty significant problem with that. And there's these big questions about how these this phenomena is working on a global scale, and you have to I think you really have to look global in order to answer those questions globally. So by taking a more comparative and um, and quantitative approach, is your goal to predict when these type of activities will be successful or are you trying to understand when they'll actually occur uh what would be the goal of the of doing this well i think eventually yeah eventually i would i think it could be interesting to correlate what kind of choices by activists and contextual factors correlate into what kind of outcomes and it's possible that that um 
I won't be able to make those conclusions, but I would certainly try. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not only what technologies are they using and what kind of organization is, is initiating the action, but also, you know, what's the political context within this, that country? What's the internet penetration rate? Um, other factors, um, economic development, political freedom, um, youth, um, youth unemployment, all, and all kinds of things can can um, affect affect the outcome of a digital action. And it's uh, uh, it's kind of it's this, it's kind of the same idea as the opportunity structure that one thinks about in social movement. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that that still applies. You still need to look at the context. So aside from taking place on the internet. Yeah. Is there something about digital activism that makes it different than past forms of social action? Or do you see this as uh, traditional social movements just using or taking advantage of new technologies and tools? Well, the, the first thing to say is that um, a lot of digital activism is carried out um, in concert with, off, with uh, offline tactics. So, um, for example, it could even be part of the same tactic, like, using Twitter to mobilize people to take part in a protest, yeah. you know, using blogs or what have you. And that sometimes even that, that jump from the online to the offline can occur within a single tactic. Other times someone might have a rally or a lobbying day in Congress and also have an e-petition. Mm -hmm. So, so internet activism or digital activism, we should understand it as being embedded um, very closely in other practices of activism but also, I would say that um, it's a model change, not a scale change, which is okay. what that's happening. You know, is it just is it just the same things cheaper and more? And I would say it's different, and that's because we really are seeing um, different kinds of organizing structures happening um, that that really are unprecedented, like Occupy. Um, in the period of, I think, I guess it was a couple of months, there were mobilizations in the largest count I, I heard was 900 global cities. Wow. No central organizing yeah. structure. And no. So that's something new. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, you could, I mean, you could make an argument that, oh, it's just faster and it's just bigger. But um, Clay Shirky will make the point that sometimes bigger is different, you know, yeah. that, that quantitative changes at a certain scale can also become qualitative changes. I know in my personal experience from talking to friends or uh, acquaintances about Internet or, or digital activism, it seems like people are either incredibly excited and think that this is going to be mm -hmm. a revolution, revolutionary thing that changes the way that activism occurs or they're incredibly dismissive and think that, oh, it just means people are going online and uh, clicking like on Facebook to some political post, but not actually doing anything. Is this a pattern that you've noticed as well uh, about this? Either people they seem to love or hate it? Well, I think it was divisive. I think it's less divisive after the Quince MA protests or Indignados in Spain, plus the Arab Spring, mm -hmm. plus Occupy. Yeah. I think after those three things happened and they were massive, and there was a clear role for technology. It was very hard for people to make an argument that it doesn't matter. But at the same time, you can definitely have digital has no effect. Um, and that's because the bar to entry is so low. 
right? Um, you know, you can start an e-petition with no supporters, no strategic understanding, no money, and like 30 seconds. Yeah. So, so I think a lot of a lot of the ineffectual nature of digital activism goes to that low bar to entry issue. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily problematic. I mean, having more people have access to the means of of becoming activists in the long term is probably going to be beneficial for democracy. I would say. What has been the response of uh, governments or people in power to the increased use of digital activism? Um. It really, I mean, hmm. I guess the closest thing to welcoming it is something like what the U.S. and the U.K. have done in terms of having official e-petition sites yeah. where the head of state makes com- a commitment to respond. Or it might not be the head of state, it might be the executive branch, makes a commitment to respond if a certain threshold of signatures is reached. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the most positive response, which is in a way saying this is going to happen let's control it in a way, Yeah, you know? Um, but then of course you can go all the way to repressive regimes where people do, um, you know, in prison and, um, you know, torture and, um, uh, people, people who are digital activists. So it really, really depends on the regime. But, um, I think I think the most positive reaction is simply okay. This is happening. We need to find a way to deal with it. Yeah, because there are a lot of demands. I mean, it's basically people making demands on government. Um, a tremendous amount of demands. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think it makes governance probably a little more challenging. So, would you would you think that digital activism would be harder to control and regulate for governments, or um, more difficult to conduct surveillance and traditional forms of activism, um, or or is it easier in some ways? I don't think it's necessarily harder, um, because the thing is, a lot of digital activism leaves a permanent trace, regardless of whether people want it to or not. Um, so whereas it's dangerous to be in a physical meeting, once you leave the meeting, there, there's no trace that the meeting happened usually. Yeah. Whereas if you have a chat and there's text in some archive somewhere, that text remains, mm-hmm. uh, and your IP address remains, uh, unless you're using a software to, to mask it. So the yeah, no, digital activism, there's still a, a serious risk of, of surveillance, um, it it's easier to be anonymous online, but it's not it's not completely safe by any measure. So, continuing with this comparison of traditional forms of activism and digital activism, is there still a divide between these two groups? Um, are different people using one than the other, or is that um, disappearing, merging? Um, what do you see taking place? Well, I think um, traditional organizations um, like. Uh, let's say like a Greenpeace or an Amnesty, they're going to kind of weave digital technologies or digital tactics into forms of campaigning, usually aimed at the state that um, they've been taking part in Mm -hmm. uh, previously. Uh, There's kind of an interesting um, turn away from the state in digital activism and that people are more and more talking to each other when they talk about politics and complain about injustice instead of just asking the state to solve the problem. Yes. So um, in some, in some ways it's, it's mirroring or it's being integrated into basically 
strategies that are the same as as when only offline texts are used, but then there's also instances where um, these patterns are, are different, uh, creating different kinds of activism. Okay. Um, one final question I'm wondering. So you've been traveling around as a consultant involved in digital activism, is that yeah. right? Uh, what type of groups are you speaking with or interacting with? Oh, um, I work a lot with public health organizations, um, just kind of by chance. That's who I happen, I happen to work for the Open Society Foundation, and that's who they um, set me up with. Oh, okay. But but generally the way I work is I have a certain strategic perspective and expertise, and I just say to the activists, this is what I come to the table with, and you know what, whatever your content expertise is something that I don't share. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, usually that works pretty well. Okay. So I actually one of the main reasons I like to do consulting is because it forces me to deal with the practicalities of, of digital activism on a daily to day basis mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I like the big picture. I like dealing thinking about theory, but then actually sitting down with someone and deciding, are they going to have a Facebook page? Are they going to have a blog? Yeah. They're going to, it just reminds me of these very, very practical decisions that, that activists and advocates are are making when they use digital technology for day-to-day work. If any of our listeners are interested in learning more about the work that you're doing, um, both consulting and academic, where would they find that information? Um, well, my consulting and public speaking page is maryjoyce.com. Um, I have a blog at meta-activism.org and the Digital Activism Research Project page is digital-activism.org. Well, thank you again for stopping in to our Office Hours podcast. It has been wonderful speaking with you. Okay, thanks, Kyle.